0: Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, and then moving on to verses 43 to 45. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so, uh, hello everybody. Um, yeah, blessed are the peacemakers. When I started looking at this, I realised it's such an enormous topic. Um, it's slightly kind of overwhelming and I uh, spent a long time sort of wondering how I can cover the entire peacemaking. Um, and uh, I, then I sort of backtracked a little bit from that. <laughs> anyway, I, there's lots of ideas that I've thought about that sort of connect together. And hopefully there'll be something in there that for everybody. Um, but there's also some pictures. <laughs> so hopefully that helps, if, it, if none of this sort of makes sense. Um, so, peacemakers... Um, what is a peacemaker? What, what does Jesus mean to you when he says peacemakers? Um, what, does it bring, what does it bring to mind to you? Um, so I think it's, it's about reconciliation, isn't it? We've already heard a bit, of, a bit about that. Um, reconciliation is about restoring relationships. But I think it's more than that. I think it's, it's about building and rebuilding peace. Um, and in the Bible, peace or shalom, it, it's not just a sort of absence of conflict, um, but it's a deep, rich wholeness throughout the whole of life. It, it's about a world in harmony and fullness. Uh, it's about order in our world in place of chaos. And, and and it's not like a gray sort of just, you know, absence. It's, it's, it's about um, creativity and life, you know, the world teeming with life. Um, And at its core, yeah, it's about restoration of of relationships, of blessed relationships. But we know that the world is lacking that, isn't it? It, At pretty much every level, shalom is missing. There's disorder, there's ecological damage, um, conflict, broken relationships, and enmity and fear of of others. And um, we see that around us, but we also experience that in our own relationships, don't we? In, in all the contexts, you know, whether that's home, whether that's work, whether that's the communities that, that we're in. Um, and we're human beings. We, we're pretty highly skilled peace wreckers. We, we are pretty good. We, we manage to notice differences with other people, notice things that bug us about other people, and effortlessly sort of divide ourselves into them and us. And uh, and then we note and we mistrust and blame other people, and we much we're not as good at noticing the things that we that we do. And then to top it all, we manage to bring God into it, and uh, always on our side, of course, obviously. Um, and sometimes that goes very badly wrong because sometimes we then use God on our side to justify things that we do to other people, which are abhorrent to God. Um, and that is, happens throughout the history. But we can very easily do that ourselves. Um, when, I, when, I was a, when I was a teenager, we had um, a, a football team. Our church had a football team in the local church league. Um, and looking back, I, lo- I mean, I loved it. Uh, but it was kind of a bit weird. Sometimes it would manage to facilitate this sort of fierce rivalry between like fellow believers from local churches. Um, so before kickoff, we'd all gather together in the center circle and we'd pray. And we'd pray, normally there were two things that, I mean, in my heart I was praying for hat trick and not to get subbed. But you would pray for a peaceful game, a game played in the right spirit, and you'd pray for protection from injuries. And then the whistle would go and you'd start kicking lumps out of each other. Um, The irony wasn't lost on everyone. And my good friend, he used to quite often shout, just after the prayers and and before the two-footed tackles, he would shout, come on, lads, remember Jesus is on our team. He he was being ironic to make the the, the, the obvious point, but it it always struck me. Um, But but there's hope. As human beings, we're not just skilled peace wreckers, we're also peace builders. And we can build peace, peace in as many ways as we mess it up. Um, and, and peacemaking, it's a broad thing, isn't it? It can be about reconciling ourselves. It seeking reconciliation with people who've wronged us. It can be about seeking reconciliation with people that we know we have wronged. Um, and it can be about seeking to break down the divisions between groups. Maybe a group that we are part of and another group. Or... Between two groups, we're part of neither of them, but we go to do the work of reconciliation. That verse that Rosie read um, is wonderful, and it expands all of those things and says how God's called us into that work of reconciliation. Um, and, you know, all of these, but all of these activities of peacemaking are tough and they're painful, aren't they? Um, And I want to talk today uh, a bit about how I think they are, all of them, as tough as they are, they are highly valued by God. They take us along a road towards wholeness, ourselves, in terms of personal transformation. And thirdly, they are the job that we were created to do um, in reflecting God in his world. Okay, so again, the the work of building peace is highly valued by God. It takes us along the road towards wholeness, and it does the job we were made to do to reflect God in his world. Um, For a moment, I just want to, each one of us, just ask yourself, um, or ask God to show you, where do I want to see peace rebuilt? Where do I want to see peace rebuilt? Maybe your own relationships, or maybe things that you're involved in at work or in community. Uh, maybe beyond relationships, just the brokenness that you want. What is it that you long to do? What is it that you are involved in doing in your life right now? Just, just take a moment to think about that. And now I just want you to think. Um, how do I feel in my gut? About that situation right now how, how does that make me feel uh, am I hopeful? am I inspired or am I, am I actually broken hearted? Have I given up? Do I feel like just powerless it's just too big God would you um, would you show us your perspective on these things that we long where we long to see peace i I want to think through t- three sort of lenses, three perspectives. We, I think, it sounds like people who've been doing these talks have talked about that the Beatitudes. You can read them in different ways, and and I've, I've got three here. I think because Steve had two, and I want to just go one better, really. You know, <laughs> you, you can judge whether the third one is like valid or just like something to try and add on. Um, but the three perspectives I've got is is. Um, Firstly, an award ceremony, okay? An award ceremony. God, God is, uh, Jesus is encouraging, encouraging us by showing us what God sees when he looks at peacemakers. Secondly, um, the Beatitudes as a signpost. So Jesus is inviting us to walk with him on a difficult road of reconciliation, but one that takes us on a journey into wholeness. And thirdly, the Beatitudes... Uh, that's a, a sort of an image that are, is, uh, is our restored vocation. Jesus is giving us back the sacred job we were created for, being image bearers of the God of peace and reconciliation. All three, all three are only possible, but all three are possible because of the cross, because of Jesus and what he's done. Um, so, the first one, the first perspective. a a, a very surprising award ceremony. Okay, so in one sense, the Beatitudes are an award ceremony. Jesus is announcing winners, but not the winners that you'd expect. So I like to imagine Jesus opening an envelope and saying, and the winners of the children of God category are the peacemakers. And I, I, you can imagine there's a table at the front of this room and, and there's generals, conquering generals and warlords and they usually win this the, this award and they're open-mouthed, like, what's happened? And there's another uh, table at the back of peacemakers and they're equally open-mouthed, like, what, 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 us, it's us? Well, um, it's surprising, it's shocking but Jesus is saying that God sees something differently. God values different things in the Beatitudes to to what is often the case, Um, and He sees us differently. I wonder what what you think. What do peacemakers look like? Uh, Peacemakers don't always look great. You know, if you're honest, what do you like look like when you're trying to bite your tongue in an argument or trying to apologise for something you shouldn't have said? Uh, what do arbitrators look like when they've been up all night trying to b- broker peace between, between two people? You know, the work of reconciliation is tough. It's tiring, it's frustrating, it's painful. And maybe to ourselves and to others, when we're engaged in trying to make peace out of chaos, we feel knackered, we look knackered. And, um, but, but Jesus is telling us this. When we are doing the work of peace, uh, peacemaking, God looks us, at us and he sees the family resemblance to him we look like his children we look like Jesus Um, and that mystery was the same for Jesus the cross that brought peace and reconciliation into the world looked looked like defeat didn't it Um, but it was the victory of God um, over his enemies it was the reconciliation of the world So the next, thing, the next lens, the second lens, is this journey uh, into wholeness. Um, the, the Beatitudes are an invitation on a journey to greater wholeness. Um, and when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he is, he's calling us to be reconciled and to be reconcilers. As we've said, it's, like a, it's a difficult, painful road, but it's one on which we, be, we become more whole and more tru, truly human. And he isn't saying, look, everybody, that's the road to peacemaking over there. If you like just to take that second left, third right. He's not doing that, is he? He's, he's saying, follow me. Because he's, he's been there. He's done. This is the road that Jesus has taken and he's shown us. And this is the road that Jesus walks with us. Um, so he's saying, follow me, and he's modeled it. You know, it, it, Jesus... He, Jesus didn't make things easy for himself in terms of peacemakers. He chose disciples from all kinds of different walks of life. He chose a band of people to work with, to live with 24 hours a day that would not have chosen each other in their wildest dreams. But he lumped them together and then he proceeded to make peace with them. Um, he did that. He, he welcomed outsiders, really despised outsiders into his community. Didn't he? he? He created, he created problems. You know, Jesus lived in a way that that, that meant that there was a lot of peacemaking to do. Um, and he asks us, and he yeah, and he tells us stories which actually unsettle us as well, um, and it make us ask that question: Where am I actually causing chaos? Where, where is it that I need to to change? And Jesus asks us to go further in seeking peace with others than, than really than really seems reasonable. Um, you heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. I don't know if you think in terms of enemies. Do you think you have enemies? Do you have enemies? I don't know. I think I... Um, but I wonder, if, if you don't think in that sense, I wonder if an enemy, enemies are people or groups of people um, from whom we've been divided for such a long time or by such a great distance that the idea of being reconciled is a non-starter. Does that make sense? That an enemy is someone who you just wouldn't imagine you're going to be able to connect with that person. Um, they just, just too far. Perhaps the, their political views are just abhorrent to you or, or their values are just so abrasive in, to, in your mind. And, and actually just to stay apart and not fight with each other is probably the best that, that you're going to hope for, really. Um, maybe there are people like that in your life, people that you don't ever ex- expect to see eye to eye with or, or have a normal conversation with. Well, Jesus showed us that uh, the way of taking initiative to love the people that it is impossible to love. Um, following Jesus, unfortunately, fortunately, is a journey into the impossible. Okay, the, the, our whole, but, but our whole faith is founded on that, on Jesus' extraordinary sacrifice. As Paul says uh, in Romans, while we were still Sinners, while we were still God's enemies, Christ died for us. How do we do it? How do we love the people that we really feel like we can't imagine loving? Um, Jesus knows he's leading us into impossible territory. Um, And (laughs) instead of making things simpler in this passage, I think he sort of makes things even, even more tricky. He actually draws us into a new mystery by telling us, something about the old testament so if you remember in this 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 the the sermon on the mount jesus says both uh, two things he says um he says not one word of the of this law will be lost he says it's, it's all staying it's all staying it's not one word will be lost but he also says he's changing it as well um He says, there's a number of sayings. This is one of them, isn't it? Where Jesus says, you heard it said, but I say something different. The Old Testament says, love your neighbor uh, and hate your enemies, but I say, love your enemies. It's another mystery. Um, And Jesus invites us into that mystery. He doesn't explain it exactly, but he tells us later, he tells us a story that is all about enemies, and neighbors. Um, It's the story of the Good Samaritan, and it's deliberately an upside-down story that invites us into the heart of the mystery of God's kingdom. Um, Maybe want to talk about more another day, but I just briefly, if you remember why the story of the Good Samaritan, why he tells the story is somebody says, Um, asks him what is the greatest commandment and Jesus says love God and love your neighbor as yourself and the person who's asked him this question says okay but who who is my neighbor it's a very reasonable question is my neighbor the people on my street or is it my extended family or is it maybe my whole tribe Um, because I can't love everybody. I've got limited resources. We have limited time. We have limited money. We have limited energy. Um, Who is it that we should prioritize? Where is the line? I say these people I will look after, but those people, well, they're somebody else's problem. Um, And Jesus says, um, and Jesus tells the story of how my enemy becomes my neighbor. I am the Jewish man listening to Jesus' story. I am the Jewish man dying on the roadside. And in this crisis, uh, this life and death situation as two of my own countrymen walk past and don't do anything about it, um, somebody stops and somebody picks me up. And I'm, I'm not aware of who they are. In fact, I'm in this life and death situation, I don't care who they are. But... The next day, I wake up um, bandaged and cared for um, and looked after. And this question of who is my neighbor has been answered for me, not through a theoretical process, but through what has actually happened. In my crisis, my neighbour, my enemy chose to save me. In that crisis... Um, My enemy became my neighbor through what has happened. Our our shared humanity has trumped all other considerations and the wall between us has come down. For the rest of our lives, um, that wall will never be rebuilt. The enemy has become the neighbor through sacrificial love and the divisions of race and religion and history even have been sidelined in the process. Um, it's a powerful story, and it invites us in. Um, I, how well you can see this. Uh, um, recently, I will just say something. Someone said I needed to talk about my trip. <laughs> so I, um, I went to uh, Turkey and also to Lebanon. I had five weeks um, traveling, and, and part of it was uh, doing some volunteering and one of the places I went to, uh, which sort of emphasizes this, um, the way in which peace building can bring people together in crisis, uh, was Hatay. Now, Hatay is in southeastern Turkey. It's also known as Antakya. It's, uh, it's built where the historic Antioch was of the Bible, where the first Christians, or the first followers of Jesus were called Christians. Um, and until February of this year, it was a beautiful city, about around 300,000 people, home to Sunni, Alawite, Alevi Muslims, and also Christians. But it was struck in February by, it was part of the area, it was struck by two earthquakes, um, which flattened buildings across whole districts and like, left many, many more just like uninhabitable, uh, unsafe to, to live in. Um, a huge proportion of the people there uh, were still are living um, living in tent camps around the city, um, because it's not safe for them to to be in their homes, um, and various groups responded, and in one and particularly one group responded, which was um, Turkish Christians. There's not many Christians in Turkey, but Christians from throughout Turkey res- responded to this and said we're going to do something about it. And they 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 came. They started a, a, a camp that um, and they did work of um, providing water, cooking pr- food, um, and putting up shelters um, for people. And and as they did so, they were joined. They were joined by others. They were joined by volunteers from all over the world. Um, but they were also joined by local people um, from local communities, so mainly Muslim but different communities. And I just had this most amazing privilege of spending a week um, at this camp. Where people had come together from all kinds of backgrounds, and were working together in this horrendous, decimated city, with people who are so broken, who'd lost, who'd lost so much. Most of them had lost somebody in their family. Most, many of them had lost their homes. Some of them have huge mortgages to pay for homes that don't exist. And and yet, at this place, there's this incredible sense of of God's presence and. People coming t- together um, in peace building. Um, and it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, and sorry, yes, I should show you more of my photos. Really. So, yes, yeah, so this is some of the, 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 the teams and some of the things that we were, were doing. And I, there are more photos. If you, haven't, if you haven't seen them, I can send some things around. So finally, there is another um, way, I guess, to see the Beatitudes, and it sort of really leads us on from these other things, that actually, we have a big purpose, a big purpose as human beings, to image God in his world. That was what we were made for, but clearly, that image got marred, didn't it? That Things went wrong. We... We we chose to worship other things in in relation to peacemaking. We chose to value violence and aggression as a way of as a way of getting things done instead of peacemaking. And it, and then we even thought God would look like that. We we painted images ourselves of God as a as a aggressive and angry God who. Um, and yet when, the, when, the, when Jesus turns up, when God comes, when the Son of God turns up, he doesn't look like that. He doesn't look like a, a, an aggressor or an army general. Or he, he looks like the Prince of Peace. He looks like broken peacemakers. He looks tired. He, he, look, he gets his hands dirty. He, he looks like all those things that we said peacemakers look like. But as we as we follow him, he um, he restores the he, he is the image of God. He, re, he is reflecting what God really looks like, and he invites us to do the same. And actually, that is you and I. When we work for peace, we look like we look like uh, Jesus. You know, both of those verses. Both uh, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God, uh, and. When Jesus tells us that we must love our enemies, he says it because this is what it means to be the children of God. And this, this, is the, this is, I guess, the thing that brings this together, is that actually we have been given this vocation, this, this holy job to do. And that whatever we are doing in, 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 our, in our work, and our lives, wherever we are peace building, we are imaging God, we are reflecting God. Into the world. So, to finish today, as we finish, I just invite you to, to um, just to consider again what it was that what that you thought about when I said, think about where you are peace building. Think about what, um, what it is in your heart and that you really long to see change, but maybe is really difficult, really challenging. And, and I just pray that God would speak to us all about that. And it may be that we need to hear God saying, doesn't matter what you think you look like, I, I see you, when I look at you, you look like, you look like uh, my children. It might be that, that God is saying to you, yeah, this path that you are keeping pushing on with, with keeping trying to make things right, is really painful. There's real heartache but you know, it is bringing you into life. Or it might be that, that, that God wants to say to you today, this thing is, whatever you might feel about it, this is what you were made to do. Uh, working for peace and reconciliation in your life. This is who I designed you to be. This reflects me in the world. This is what it's all about. I pray God would, would continue to speak to us about those things thank you for bearing with me i think that's quite a long talk but um i hope that also um if you were interested i'll send some uh, the, there are lots of photos of what i did and that might be uh, good so thank you yeah